Okay, let's get started. Number one, in your notes, this is our final uh, message on the Whatever It Takes series. And, and over this period of this month, we have hopefully gotten across the idea that a life of faith is a whatever it takes kind of life. It's a life where we do whatever it takes to take the principles of God's word, apply them to our life, and follow them. It's not easy. It's not without suffering. Uh, in fact, you will never really truly become the Christian that you are capable of being unless you also experience some of the suffering that Christ went through. Uh, you, unless you have people say things about you that are not true, who lie about you. You see, being a Christian doesn't mean you're insulated from any problems. It, it does mean, however, that you have someone to go through the problems with you. You will have Christ with you. And, and today to get started, as we wrap up this whatever it takes kind of idea, because it's my hope that all of us will be whatever it takes kind of followers of Christ, I want to tell you, number one, those who do whatever it takes, I'm drawing some principles from Scripture, those who do whatever it takes to defend their nation, their home, their families, they should be remembered. And we are in Memorial Day weekend, uh, tomorrow is an amazing national holiday, uh, it should have no political over t uh, overtures to it. Uh, it. It is truly intended, uh, going back to 1866, the first time nationally after the Civil War when our country nationally followed up on a lot of the local, regional, uh, civic moments of remembering. And, and, and I, I want to tell you, I think it's important. Because it's a biblical idea. It's a scriptural idea. There's a, there's a scripture in your notes today, and I want you to look at it right now, if you would, from 2 Samuel chapter 1. In other words, there's an example for remembering those from our nation who have perished to preserve our freedoms. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12. They mourned and wept, and fasted all day for Saul and his sons, his son, Jonathan, and for the Lord's army and the nation of Israel, because they had died by the sword that day. Now, I, I, I slipped there and said sons, because in the context of the passage, when you read it, it, it tells you not only did Saul and Jonathan die, but two of Saul's other sons also died. They had three sons die that day. That was a grieving family. And in the context of this passage, you see something very important. You see a nation getting together, and you see them grieving and mourning together. And what they're doing is they are remembering the sacrifice. Now, I, uh, I think it just makes sense. It's just an appropriate time right now for us to look back and, and remember those from our country who have given... They're all who paid the ultimate sacrifice. And I, I'd like to just pull something from this crowd. I asked this question in the first hour, and it was over 60% of the people who responded. And it's an older generation, and many of them go back to having fathers and uncles who fought in World War II, as my father did. And uh, by God's grace, my father came home uh, as a medic in, in the Navy, uh, deployed with some 
crazy Marines. You know, I don't know if we got any Marines in here today. Uh, but wouldn't you admit most Marines are just crazy, right? Okay, there we go. All in all the time. Uh, now, here it is. There is in this crowd, and I want you to look around and see this because it may surprise you. If you have a family member, someone in your family tree, in, in, in your family, looking back, who you know gave their life for our country, I would like you to raise your hand, hold it up just for a moment. Would you hold it up? Now look around. That's a lot more people than you might imagine. You can put your hands down. Now, what we want to do today is remember and thank God for them. But there is also something a lot more real to us that we can touch. Something that, that we as a family can touch, a church community. And that is, there are from this community, there are people who have served who were willing to die, and like my father, like my great, great grandfather, Amandrew Holland, who fought in the Civil War for the 99th uh, Regiment of Ohio, who was in the strategic battles in, in, uh, through Tennessee and all the way down into Atlanta. And we have some of his records and, and our family heritage and, and what we know and what he was willing to do and how he limped the rest of his life, paid a big price to be a part of, of answering the call to fight for the preservation of his country and to fight against the evil of slavery. And we're proud of that as a family. We're proud of him. But by God's grace, he lived. But there are many of you here today who have served who have served in active military service. There are others of you who serve in civil ways our country through police and through the other parts of our society which preserve our civility and protect us, fire and safety and police. And so if you're here today and you have served our country, man or woman, would you do something right now? And I do not want to embarrass you. And please, do not sit there and say, I don't deserve this. I have friends from my, my age, from the Vietnam era, who look at me and say, I, I don't stand because I'm not a hero. The, the ones who are heroes are the ones who didn't come back. I get that. I understand that. And it's a humbling place to be. But please know, we want to thank you right now. So if you served our country, would you stand right now? Would you do that? The rest of you, would you do it? Come on, please stand up just for a moment. Let's thank them. We got to remember. And you can be seated. This is not a political thing or a political statement. It is right in God's word. I mean, if we have God's word to back up what we say, what we believe, and why we do what we do, we need to do it. And here today, you know, we have the great privilege of saying thank you. So please hear it from our hearts. I was in college during Vietnam. I registered. I reported to the draft board. I was never called upon but I remember thinking, I had friends, I had friends uh, living in Detroit at the time who went across the Ambassador Bridge into Windsor and ran, who burnt their draft cards, who said, no, I, I won't go. And, and you say, well, I don't, why, why are you getting political on this? Because the, the, the truth is, it's a touch point lesson for why we do some of what we do. I've actually been willing to say, people that disagree with me politically, you know, first of all, I realize that there are different ways of seeing things, depending on your perspective and your life experience. And I always tell people, if you disagree with me, it's okay when you get to heaven, you can come apologize. I'll accept it gladly then, because then everyone will know that I was always right, which is absolutely absurd. 
I'm not always right. None of us here are always right. But let's say someone of principle does this. But here's the teaching point. The the reason they left, even if it was a, a decision of high principle, the value that caused them to do that is a, a value that's different than the value I draw from Scripture in the context of what this verse says, how we are to honor our country, how we are to be willing to die for our country, and how we are to remember those who do. And, and I, I think sometimes we really miss what's going on in this world. Christians, we shouldn't be driven by politics, we should be driven by scriptural value. Would you agree with me on that? Amen? Amen? Scripture teaches us what's right and what's wrong. And we need to value what God values. That's what the Believe Land vision is all about. We, we value people. We love God, love people. We want to change the world. We want to invest in people and see more people come to Christ. Am I thrilled of the people who followed Christ last week in baptism? Yes, I'm thrilled, but I want to see more. I want to see more people come to Jesus. That's what the Believe Land vision is. And that's what this is all about. But our highest value is driven by, first of all, a love for God and a love for people. And when we get that right, in fact, let me move you to our our next thought in, in the outline. Would you look at that? Under number one there. Look down there. What does it say? Only. Love can move you to do whatever it takes. Only love can move you to do whatever it takes. Uh, If you're going to have a whatever it takes kind of Christianity, you have to be in love with Jesus. You have to be giving yourself to the idea that your relationship with him is more important than anything else. Because only love can move you to a whatever it takes kind of life. I mean, you can have a mundane, just kind of float through life, go with the stream, never resist, never say something that would tick somebody off. Just kind of go with the flow, gloss it over, never cry out against an injustice. You can live that kind of life, and and in some ways it'll be less stressful. But if you want to live a whatever-it-takes kind of life, a kind of life that, that love drives us to do, our love relationship with God, you've got to understand here that that's what the Christian life is all about. John 15, 13, look at this verse. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. What is the compelling motion there? It is love. And when someone in military service lays down their life for their friend, it is both love of God and love of country. And so please hear me when I say this. When that value literally pushes forward and causes you to do whatever it takes, I believe with all of my heart, it is something that is Christ-honoring. There is no greater love. So the question today, what do you love enough to die for? I mean, that's a legitimate question, worthy of our asking, worthy of thinking about it. I hope you'll think some about that. This weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Number two, those who do whatever it takes to live for God must place hope in him alone. In other words, when you venture into this 
virtue of love and say, I will do what's right because it's right, because it's God's value, and I will live for him and follow him, and it doesn't matter what the world says. When you do that, you're putting your hope in him alone. You're not putting your hope in other things. And I, I think about this a lot, but I think there's a lot of people who hope in God, but they don't put all of their hope in God. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping. Kind of hoping. You know, when, when you get a prayer answered, it's, it's kind of like when they were praying uh, for Peter to get out of jail, the apostle Peter, and he got out of jail and he knocked on the door and they opened the door and looked and went, <gasps> you know, surprised. God answered their prayer. You know, ran back into the room and said, Peter's there. No, he's not. He's in jail. We're having a prayer meeting for him right now. Oh, what are you praying for? <laughs> him to get out of jail. He's at the door. No, he's not. He's in jail. <laughs> You, you see, we, we say we have hope and we have faith, but I want to I look to a scripture here because uh, this is really where you can drill down on this idea here uh, of a whatever it takes kind of heart and, and you've got to place it, your hope, all of it in God and him alone. Psalms 33, 22. Let your unfailing love surround me. Lord, for our hope is in you. What's that last word? Uh, one more time. Our hope is in you alone. You know, we, we kind of put some of our hope in God, but we put some of our hope in the place we work. We hope they don't go out of business. We hope they treat us honorably. They, we hope they pay us a, a living wage, okay? We, we, we hope the economy holds together, and, you know, we hope, we, we have a lot of things we hope in. We hope our health holds up so we can continue to work and provide for our family. But, but this is hope in God alone. All of that other stuff, comes under the umbrella of what God wants to do for us if we hope in him alone. Let me tell you what hope in God alone looks like. It's going to be a very familiar word. Look, if you will, in your notes. There's a place for you to write the word love down. Love for God alone is focused on giving praise to him alone. People who are in love with God give him praise and their lives express it through gratitude and awareness of how good he is to us. You see, when, when God has your singular focus and your hope in, is in him alone, look at the next verse, Psalms 136, verse 4. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Hope. Give thanks to him alone. Uh, he is to be the singular object of all of our love and adoration and praise. That's how we get together and worship on Sunday because it is him and him alone. And I meet people every day, people who've been so blessed by God, but I never hear praise of God. I hear whining and complaining about all the things going on in their life. And they never say the words one time, I am so blessed. God is so good to me. And God is good all of the time, even when things aren't going my way. So what are you placing your hope in today? I think one of the reasons we complain so much and whine so much is we're really not putting our hope in him. We're not praising him as we should. And, and you'll never get to that whatever it takes kind of place in your life unless you're willing to put your hope in him and give him thanks for whatever it is, whatever the deck after it's shoveled deals you. Because ultimately, if you get dealt a hand that you don't like, what you're basically saying is, God, you messed up on this. 
When the truth is, God knows what's best for us. Either you believe that or not. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And if you hope in him, then when you get your hand and look at it and go, wow, not what I was hoping for, you need to stop for a moment and say, I'm hoping in God. So whatever it is, is exactly what I need. And if you're willing to do that, you will come out of that with a whatever it takes kind of approach to life. So what are you placing your hope in? Number three, those, those who do whatever it takes for God only have one thing to boast about, to brag about. When God gets all the credit, you just can't help but giving him all the praise. We do a lot of things in life that we thump our chests about, but the truth is we should be bragging on God. Next verse, Jeremiah 9.24, a lot of verses here today, but I want you to see this. Jeremiah 9.24, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. You want something to brag about? Here it is. That they truly know me. This is God, first person. And understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. It may not always be in our time, but, but God makes all things right in his time, that I may delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Man, this, this is like God saying, end of story, end of discussion. Here it is, Jeremiah 9, those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. There's nothing more important here, Bridge family, not where you go to church, not what building you go to, you know, what your denomination is, who your preacher is. The one thing alone that matters more than anything else is your relationship with Christ. Let's look at our, our next thought in, the, in your notes. Write down the word knowing. Knowing Jesus results. When you truly know him, you, you know what he likes. Knowing Jesus results in prioritizing his greatest commandments. You know, when you get to know somebody, um, you get to know what they like and what they don't like. How many of you have uh, been married for more than three days? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Uh, some of you significantly more than three days. And, and what, it, what happens, you know, when Kathy and I first got married, we had made a list. We met in February, married in August, 1973. And uh, we had a list of all the things we both liked. We both liked feather pillows. I mean, these were significant things, really important stuff, world-shattering, life-changing, uh, value-established things. But after we'd been married literally three weeks, we were fussing a little bit. You all know what fussing is? It's, it's just short of a fight, okay? And we were, some of you are looking at me like, we've never done that. And I know the truth is everybody has, but we were fussing a little bit. And... And I said, honey, get that list. She, she said, what list? I said, the one where we wrote down like 20 things we both agreed on. I said, right now I can't think of one thing we agree on. Let's get that list. We couldn't find the list. We never found that list. And, 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 and here it is for you. When, when you love somebody, when you love God, you don't have to under, understand everything. He, just write it off. He's always going to be right, okay? If you're married, guys, 
kind of weigh in the same way. You're never going to be right. Okay, just, just accept it. Happy life, happy wife, right? And they kind of happy wife, happy life. And I know we're kind of teasing about that, but at the end of the day, some people care more about fussing about being right than they care about resolving an issue or resolving a conflict. Knowing Jesus, when you know him and you know his heart, you know what his values are. Do you know a group of people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what are the biggest values you have? What are the most important commandments? You're probably familiar with this passage. It's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. And uh, it starts with saying, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? You with me on that? You see that passage? Now, I want you to join me in reading from where it says Jesus replied. The next word there. I want you to hear this, but I want you to hear it not just with your ears, but hear it in your heart. And I'd like you to join me in reading this out loud. So, so pick it up where it says you must love. Okay, ready? Join me. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If you know Jesus, you know what's important to him. And if you truly embrace those as the greatest commandments, you guess what? You're going to do whatever it takes to follow those commandments. That's, that's why the Believe Land vision is so real to us. We, we are doing something not easy, something pretty hard, something very difficult, something very challenging, but we believe it will help us take that command to love God with all our heart and love our neighbors ourselves, that we will be more effective and, and that we can do this more effectively. And, and so today it's really simple. If you really believe that loving God and loving people is what Jesus cares about, and if you know him, you're going to do whatever it takes to follow him. And that's what our journey is going to require here in the next few weeks, frankly, in the next few months, really probably for the next 18 months. Just grab your seatbelt, tighten it down, make sure the shoulder strap is down, and, and just say, Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And, and when you reach that point and you get there in your life, and that is genuine in your heart, that, that I love Jesus, I know him, it's more important than anything else. In him alone, I put my hope. I will honor, there are times to honor things that happen around you. Yes, I'm not saying that we don't do that, but I'm saying that it's really all about him, and it's not about us. And so my question, are, are we willing to do whatever it takes? to get to know him enough as families? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to make our families spiritually strong and healthy? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to reach more people for him? If we are, then we're in a great place right now because we need him. We can't do this on our own. I hope you'll join me in saying, I am willing to do whatever it takes to know him and follow him. Let's bow for prayer. Would you bow with me quietly right now? Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.